Hey, this is John from the Human Advancement Podcast, powered by Ruthless Performance. Today, I'm actually going to be talking about what we are doing with one of our uh, personal training clients at Ruthless Performance. Now, this will be an extension of the internal program review series that I've done, and that's kind of been spread across the web. I think we've had a few versions of that available on Swimming Science, and we've definitely had some on our own website. I'll try to have some links up in the podcast description so you could read through some of our other internal program reviews. But the one I'm going to do today is meant to focus on a uh, a personal tra- training client who's in his 30s, and he's primarily a weight loss client, but that's not to say that we're not trying to maximize for a lot of other things besides weight loss. Now, in today's internal program review, I'm actually going to focus specifically on his day two. So he's in the gym with us twice per week, and then we give him some uh, cardio to do on additional days as well. Sometimes it's at the track, some days it's it's other things. So whenever he has an opportunity, he's doing that in addition to the days that we're doing here. But like I said, we're primarily going to focus on his, his day two, the actual strength training component. Now, um, I understand that this is an audio episode, but in addition to the audio, I will have a link up for... Um, where you could find the companion PDF that'll kind of show you um, this day two program so that you kind of follow along. Now, again, this isn't necessarily an exercise program that you should do or that anyone else should do, but this is what we have um, what we have drafted up for a client as he's going through it after he's been training with us for probably one to two years. So we're pretty, uh, pretty familiar with um, what he needs for exercise and what makes him tick and where we get the best outcomes out of him. But, you know, hopefully this can kind of give you some uh, tips or some ideas for your own training for, for yourself or, or if you're a coach or a personal trainer for, for some of your clients as well. Um, now, like I said, prior to kind of going through the day two in depth, uh, I just wanted to kind of mention that if you're looking at the companion PDF, you'll see that it's basically just right into um, it's right into his strength training work. But prior to that, he's actually doing a pretty significant amount of pre-work. We'll have him do, uh, right now he's doing five warm-up exercises where he's just kind of going through a progression of five exercises uh, one time. And then immediately after that, we send him into two activation drills where he'll either do once or twice, kind of depending on where he's at in the four-week cycle along the way. Mm, but the warm-up work is, is pretty well focused around uh, mobilizing joints, um, we have some uh, Swiss ball leg curls in there. It's it's kind of all over the place, but it's a progression to kind of get his heart rate up. One of the things that we think about as we're making warm-up progressions is actually, oddly enough, time of year. Because when you're training people as it's starting to get colder, as I'm recording this, it's uh, October 16th. Um, as, you, uh, as it gets colder out, it actually takes more effort to kind of get the, um, the heart rate up. It takes more time to get the body temperature up. So we'll kind of program things like that accordingly, um, and one of the, like I said, one of those variables is time of year. Um, and then he has uh, his activation drills for this this day of his training is actually um, very dominant, uh, very quad thoracic spine dominant. He, he's not not huge, but a slightly slightly bigger fella. So one of the things that happens with him is he has almost what we'd call like that, um, like a bulldog stature where his arms are a little bit internally rotated. 
and um, that's just because of just because of the size of his back. His his lats are pretty big, so that's one of the things that contributes to that internal uh, shoulder rotation. Um, but in addition to that, we could stretch the lats all day long. But what we need to do, in addition to getting the lats lengthened, is getting basically the skeletal structure underlying that able to move better as well. So in his activation drills, we actually have um, him doing a quadruped T-spine rotation. So he's actually getting some getting some nice um, mobility work kind of in that in that transverse plane, that rotary plane of movement, um, so that the spine is kind of being able to twist better and better. And then paired with that, we actually have him doing yoga push-ups. And what a yoga push-up, if you haven't heard of that, it's essentially um, where you start in a push-up position and you keep uh, you keep the the arms locked or straight, and then you just kind of drive the hips into the air, kind of with your shoulders. So what that's actually doing is it's getting that sagittal plane um, thoracic extension um, that's contributing to better underlying shoulder health. Um, but like I said, that's something you know it's it's a it's a bigger client, probably sitting somewhere around two twenty five right now in in body weight. I think his ideal uh, body weight range is somewhere around um, the two hundred mark. Um, but it, so it's not crazy, but it's just something that that people in bigger guys, heavily muscled guys, as their lats get bigger, uh, it can lead to some shoulder injuries if if things aren't addressed. So. Like I said, that's kind of why we're focusing so much on, on his thoracic spine in his activation drills. But then on to the actual training program itself. Now, with the actual training program, now that's where the companion PDF will come in handy. So today, we actually have him doing, um, you can see there's an A, and just, just so you know how to, how to read this, there is a, um, we have an A1 and an A2. As you can see kind of on the left there and the a1 and the a2 just means that he'll do a set of one exercise and then it'll do a set of the other exercise but as you can see in the in the the companion pdf if you're looking at it if not it, it doesn't it doesn't make too much of a difference but in that a1 exercise there's actually a warm-up set so even though on his week one he's doing three sets of ten prior to that he's doing eight reps with actually each grip on the football bar so he'll actually work wide widest grip middle grip narrow most grip um, so that's it's it's not crazy it's a 40 pound bar so it's just kind of a little bit of bench specific warming up for him to do on that wide grip football bar bench press and then that's paired with the unilateral med ball rdl or, or romanian deadlift and we have him doing that with two sets of six per side so on his week one with the wide grip football bar bench press three sets of ten and the unilateral med ball rdl two sets of six per side so he'll actually have one less set of the unilateral med med ball rdl and the reason we do that is um, they're not really competing exercises and the unilateral med ball rdl while it is kind of taxing on on the central nervous system and the feet to try to maintain that balance throughout that exercise it's not really in any way um, harming his ability to go pretty heavy on the wide grip football bar bench press uh, so we have the three sets of ten for week one four sets of ten for week two five sets of 10 for week three and for week four and throughout that progression. So he's getting more volume, but we're also additionally trying to gain additional reps each or additional weight each week. Um, and then the unilateral med ball RDL, we always, almost no matter what, especially when a client is coming to us only a handful of times a week, 
almost every single exercise will try to put something in there for um, the hamstrings or at the very least the posterior chain more broadly which kind of incorporates the lower back and the glutes and and the hamstrings the calves to a, to a lesser degree and maybe also the traps to a lesser degree depending how you define it uh, but that unilateral med ball rdl um, that does a few different things simultaneously it's creating a little bit more separation between the two hips so you're actually gaining a little bit of range of motion at the hip uh, but then in addition to that like i said it, it's facilitating greater improvements to that uh, to the posterior chain through the hamstrings just through that um, hip extension that you're getting off of that um, that romanian deadlift pattern that's a good exercise we do that quite a bit there's an exercise we do that's an, an advanced version of that a progression of that called um, a unilateral med ball rdl drop catch where someone will do the unilateral med ball rdl so imagine you're, you're standing with the ball at about chest level with your arms bent you try to balance on one leg, kick your leg back, and as you're kicking that leg back, your chest is dropping closer and closer to the ground, and you're also trying to straighten your arms out to the extent that you can, um, with the possibility of even touching the ball off of the ground, um, as long provided that you can maintain a flat back. So those two are pretty pretty well paired together because they're not one doesn't really tax the other, and then we have that on a 2:30 interval. So sometimes we'll have someone on like an EMOM or an every minute on the minute or um on every two minutes even but in this case it's on 230 and that's basically just to make sure that we're keeping um that an additional variable that could uh change what's happening with the weights in the a1 is um the time interval if if someone's taking 40 seconds of time between sets versus if they were doing 90 seconds of time between sets the next week there's a little bit of an inconsistency there and could contribute to why the numbers might not be reading like we think they should be but by putting that interval in there that 230 interval um what we're doing there is just ensuring that um one more variable is kind of accounted for and 230 is a reasonable it's a moderate pace might get the heart rate up a little bit but at that point it shouldn't be anything too 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 crazy in terms of from a cardiovascular perspective then right after that what we what we actually do there is um we go into a b1 b2 and a b3 this is an interesting one in that these aren't exercises that we traditionally do this is just a client that we've been working with for some time so um, we had to kind of put in there some of the exercises that that we have been neglecting like the uh the dumbbell hammer curl with fat grips um oddly enough I, as just i think because of um some of our clients just having additional uh gym memberships where they might train on their own or do um homework that we've given them at, at some at like a 24-hour a uh, gym or like a you know like a planet fitness or some big commercial venue um, that's usually where we'll give athletes some hammer curls or, or some kind of curling variations just because it's a simple exercise with a pretty high safety profile so that's not necessarily something we need to make sure that they're doing but in this case i just really wanted to make sure that we were prioritizing it in this program just as a means of uh, if nothing else for for keeping those elbows healthy because although many people might not neglect uh, biceps training in their uh, programming it is something that that we kind of fall victim to sometimes and in, in an attempt to be um, you know functional I guess you could say um, and above that we have a so that's the b3 but the b1 we take the uh, football bar that he was using in his a1 we have him do a wide grip bent over football bar row with that now the primary reason that we're actually using that wide grip is um, just because it forces him to actually use lighter weights 
uh, the lighter weights are still stimulating his lats for growth. Um, but at the same time, it's again, making for a better safety profile because he has to utilize lighter weights. Um, additionally, with that wider grip, uh, someone's less inclined to try to use some body English, kind of just throw the barbell up and do some cheat reps. And then immediately after that, so this is a very, again, a very back dominant cycle. Uh, the next exercise here is an overhead med ball slam. Now, like I said, we've been training this athlete for some time or this, this adult client for some time. But the overhead med ball slam is actually something we, we just started incorporating into his programming. Now, even though this is a, an, an adult athlete, you know, general training fitness client, um, the overhead med ball slam still has a lot of value here just because of the input it requires from the central nervous system. Um, anytime that uh, the CNS is required to really put a lot of force or impulse into something, it burns a significant amount more calories too. So even just from an energy consumption perspective, some of these more large, complex exercises um, still hold a lot of value just because of um, how much more efficient it has to make the system as a whole. This C1 is interesting. Now, uh, there's an exercise here by itself. At this, so this is a behind-the-neck med ball squat drop set. Now, with the behind-the-neck med ball squat drop set, this is something that... Uh, that's really cool for for a few reasons. This behind the neck, the BTN as it's uh, abbreviated here in, in his training. The cool thing about that is I think we're one of the few institutions that I've actually seen uh, utilize this training technique as, as much as we do. Behind the neck is just positioning of an implement. So it could be a dumbbell, it can be a kettlebell, or it can be a med ball. And we've used it all in some combination in the past, depending on the exercise. Um, now, all that is, is it's, you know, just like you would have a, a goblet loading parameter or front rack or suitcase carry, contralateral carry, whatever the case might be. The behind the neck position is just having basically the arms, the elbows extended up and overhead, and then the hands brought back down kind of to the shoulders. And then where the hands are there, uh, holding on to whatever the implement is, in this case, a med ball. Cool thing about that is no matter what the exercise is, it, it fosters that thoracic extension. So all the while they're doing a set, they're gaining a little bit more proficiency, kind of moving that thoracic spine around. And then at the studio, we have a rack of med balls that runs from 6 up to 25. Uh, we have 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, jumps to 20, and then 25. And they're always placed in the same spot. And and then what we have the, the athlete do, and this client isn't the only client we have doing this at the moment. Um, we have a few, and there's a few different variations. Some might not go all the way up to the 25, whatever the case is. But what we have this client doing is, the, it's a, kind of a traditional um, set that you might see in old school, like bodybuilding uh, workouts, where he's essentially you know running the rack or doing like a pyramid set. Um, so he, he's doing that behind the neck med ball position. So holding the med ball behind his, uh, basically behind his head, rested towards the base of his head and his neck. And then from there, he's standing on a uh, 15 pound bumper plate just to kind of facilitate a little bit more of, of a knee dominant squat and have his knees and ankles track better. And then he's doing five reps with each weight, working from his way from that six up to the 25 pound med ball and then back down. Um, and then all the while we're timing that so that we could see what 
his total time is and trying to improve his time from one week to the next. That's one more way of kind of just as you could progress an exercise by adding more weight, you could progress an exercise by having them do the same amount of work, but in a shorter period of time. Now, following that, he has an additional conditioning set for the day. This additional set in this case is on the Concept 2 rower. The Concept 2 rower and um, is probably our primary means of just conditioning where we're trying to gather some good metrics and some good numbers. Uh, second to that is the assault bike. But in this case, we have this athlete going from we have the athlete going from week one, he's doing five minutes on the rower to week four, he's doing eight minutes on the rower, going up by an additional minute each week. And what he's doing on week one is essentially he's establishing a comfortable baseline time. Uh, the comfortable baseline time, just like almost everything we do in, in week one of a new training cycle, is uh, essentially just for for technique and for feel. So very lightweight, um, just using it more to conjure up some neuro, some neuroplasticity, just kind of getting the brain to be able to function and move a little bit better, um, move the body through space better, or what we call proprioception. So what we're trying to do, we are trying to hold that five minute for that 500 pace, whatever this client does in the first week of his training cycle, we try to maintain that pace for the duration of the program. So for the next four weeks, even though we're adding a minute, we want the client to maintain the same pace that they held for five minutes and just hold on a little bit longer for the following week, a little bit longer for the next week, and a little bit longer for the week after that, all the while hoping to maintain that time. So again, there are a lot of different ways to progress an exercise. And in this case, what we're trying to do is have them have a certain output and then adding length of time and trying to maintain the same level of output which is a, is a very novel, well, a very different style of progression, but it's just a style of, it's a progression that works for some people more than others. But uh, that's essentially just trying to figure out over the course of uh, the lifetime of training with an athlete, you want to kind of figure out their style and know what you're trying to gain from them and then kind of work backwards from there and reverse engineer sets that work with, with their psychology. So after his D set, um, now, so we're done with that companion PDF that I have posted. There's probably, I'll have a link to it on, um, on any of the podcast audio players. So you'll be able to download it probably right from there. What we're doing after that. So after, after someone finishes that D set is then the same client has two, two, three, uh, two or three cool down exercises, depending on how much time we'll allow for at that point. But usually we'll do at least two cool down exercises. And uh, the reason we're doing two cool down exercises is these are these are just, um, you know, as a younger athlete, I never really valued the cool down. But now I totally see it. And I think it's when we're actually getting some of the best outcomes of, of the training cycle is what we're doing after all the hard work is over with some of our mobility drills. But whereas in the beginning of a, uh, a workout, when someone's doing a warm up, what's happening is they're basically enhancing their ability to move their movement quality through the duration of the workout. Whereas when they do mobility work after a workout, um, they're actually improving their long term mobility and range of motion. So mobility drills before workouts leads to better exercise outcomes for the duration of a workout. 
But then after that, as someone cools down, tissues would kind of tighten up. So that's why as that tissue kind of tightening up or as the body temperature is coming down is starting to occur, you want to maintain or improve that range of motion by in that time period, again, doing either the same or slightly different stretches. So in this case, we have the, the athlete most likely on this day, depending on the week, probably either doing a supine piriformis stretch or he's doing a sideline T-spine rotation, followed by 90-90 belly breathing for about 60 to 90 seconds. Um, and that's something, the, the breathing drills are something we've started to get, get back into. Um, they're very underrated for a variety of populations, particularly in populations that aren't getting the best sleep quality because of sleep apnea. Trying to uh, restore some of their um, airways is, is a, a really uh, worthwhile endeavor with some clients. Not a traditional fitness outcome, but it, it's something that we do kind of have some um, ability to affect. Um, so that's the entirety of his, of this athlete's day two. Again, like I said, I primarily went into detail on everything that happens between the A1 and the conditioning work, uh, and only kind of briefly touched on his warm-ups, his activations, and his cool-downs, but uh, we just wanted to kind of throw that up on um, on the podcast platform while I had some time to get some audio in. Uh, hunting season is just starting to ramp up, so I've been out more and more I'm actually probably going to go to sleep after this so that I could get ready for a muzzleloader hunt in the morning. I'll have this online, but if you have any questions about um, this or any of our internal program reviews or about our programming or even just training with, with us more broadly, you could email the gym directly at info at ruthlessperformance.com or you could also uh, drop us a line at ruthlessperformance.com slash contact.